And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsi... Oh, damn it. special interview episode of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. I'm Brian. I'm Josh. Hey. Hey, Josh. Josh. That's a that's a new that's a new name for us. Yeah. <laughs> we we're, we're collecting names. We're collecting names. <laughs> if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard us talk about Josh before because he drew among other things we can never go home, which we talk about yes. a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Right. We, we yeah. love it. Um Especially when we were starting out, like we had a bunch of like friends who listened to the show, you know, to to try it to help us out to be supportive. And then we're like, okay, I'm not going to keep listening, but I did go buy this book, and it's very good. Oh, really? Yeah, wonderful. Um, yeah, I think among the books we've peddled, that might be the most, the most we've done. Wow, certainly, certainly up there. Yeah, that quiet um, little no name book from a tiny publisher <laughs> that nobody ever heard of before. You know what though? We like that, on that time, this is about two years ago. That time, yeah. Black Mask was like just there was knocking some them out. Really good stuff yeah. coming out of Black Mask. Yeah, um, there was a good stretch there. Well, I mean, they still put out really mm. good books. Yeah, not just, to say that they're not now. Yeah, now just, people kind of expect it from them. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's the surprise fair. factor is yeah. is not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't know who they were, and this was stuff was coming out of them, and we were like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, this is really good." Mm. And then more recently, Star Trek work for IDW. That's right. Only go and deviations and uh, waypoint. Yeah. Uh, mirror universe stuff, like three or four different mirror universe yeah. series. Ooh. Ooh, the mustaches. Before we get into that, though. How did you get into comics and nerdy stuff as a fan? Uh, as a fan, originally, my dad came home one day with a um, a Daredevil comic for me and a Dazzler comic for my little sister. And I ended up with both of them. Good, good for you. Yeah. Aww. Uh, I, I lost them you know, along the way. I gave away all my comics at a certain point. But now I'm going back and buying what I can remember of my earliest collection, that original Daredevil, that original Dazzler, some old Swamp Things, that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's nice to just kind of have them around and open them up. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, yeah. I, I don't recognize the artists' names, but they had a huge impact on me, especially early on. So what time frame was that like? This would have been um, 81, 82. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you remember which issues they were? I know it can get fuzzy. I remember That's early who, Dazzler. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember. I don't remember the issue numbers. I remember what happened and who the bad guys were. One, um, the Dazzler book, if you go back and read it now, is fairly timely for now. She's being stalked by a man who you know has uh, nefarious um, ends in mind for her um, as a, like a super fan. You know, mm. and uh, she has to sort of brush him off with her superpowers, and it turns kind of, uh, it turns violent. Um, so if anybody wants to go back and read like an old series that you think should be very very silly but is actually really good, I I would recommend Dazzler. That's yeah. awesome. Dang. The Daredevil. This is the only time I ever heard about this one bad guy. He's called the Trump. <laughs> also timely and he had this weird black suit with like red stripes on it and a big magician's white cape and a cane with a gem at the end of it I mean he was just a comical character maybe maybe it's time to revive that character yeah. <laughs> version 2 <laughs> oh no uh, that's awesome and from there uh how long was it after that that you knew you, you wanted to draw? Was that always a separate thing, or did that come from the comics? No, that started pretty That started pretty much at the same time. Um, you know, soon thereafter, things like uh, Transformers were coming out, and He-Man and Thundercats, and, and they just kind of stacked on top of one another, and they all sort of layered my desire to draw what I was seeing. So um, I just – I would sit in front of the television – because I lived too far away to do anything. 
um, I'd sit in front of the television, laying on my stomach, just drawing, just filling up notebook after notebook after notebook. And then that carried over into school where uh, I can remember in the fifth grade, a teacher comes by and like takes my spiral bound notebook. Uh, and it's just, all it is, is drawings. There's no <laughs> notes in it. Um, and she says, well, this will, you'll never do anything with this. What do you, you need to start paying attention to civil war history or whatever the stupid class was. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm really going to need to know about, you know, Pickett's charge or whatever. <laughs> Thanks, Miss Cleveland. Go. You've got one of those too? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, an actual absolutely. teacher? Yeah. Mine was Miss Fields. Oh, nice. No, it's not nice. I hope she's nice. dead. Oh. <laughs> Normally, That's I'm hilarious. the one who goes dark. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, I love my history teacher. That's because she was, she did. My, uh, I had the most odd history teacher. Like she would play pranks on. She hated more. The, the thing she hated the most was stupid, pointless school interruptions into her class. So, like, um, the fact that the office attend uh, aide had to come into the classroom to pick up the attendance. She would like hide it somewhere around the room and play hot cold with them. <laughs> <laughs> or she had like a running total of every time they came over the loudspeaker the whole year and would count up how many interruptions they had. <laughs> like, it was wonderful. Okay, but like, did she hate it? Because it seems like she wanted to draw that shit out. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it okay. was fun. This sure. is the same class that somebody fell asleep and she quietly had us all get up and go outside. So when the kid woke up, they were all by themselves in the classroom. <laughs> <Yes>. Nice. <laughs> that, anyway, sorry. That was pointless interrupting, but I loved it. So. <laughs> And somewhere your history teacher, who is probably dead, draws on a chalkboard. He draws on a chalkboard. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. But yes, we all had those, those yeah. teachers that didn't quite get it. Yeah. yeah. Every teacher that told me to stop talking in the middle of class, I want to be like, ooh, ooh, who's laughing now, huh? That's what I do now. No. It's still bad. I was a teacher's pet. Teachers loved me. Of course you were, Alex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nerd. You, you, you and your spreadsheets. <laughs> I'm basically just Benjamin Buttoned through life. <laughs> it's better uh, than the Jack disease. So you're going to throw in raging yeah. keckers when you're 72 years old? <laughs> Probably. That actually tracks. Yeah. 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 So, if so, not, I'll be so disappointed. So, so do you ever get the urge to like just like you know sign one of your prints and send to these people? <laughs> <laughs> No, I no. I don't. <laughs> I wish them pain and, and suffering and miserable, em, empty lives till they, you know, t until they lurch into the grave. But uh, my stepmother did um, when I was in high school. I um, my uh, what do you call it? Guidance counselor mm -hmm. told me to stop drawing. You need to stop drawing. You need to get a job for a Bell South. What? Got an aptitude for math and that kind of stuff. And hold on, did you go to Cass High School? A Daresville high. Oh, oh, even worse. Okay, no. Yeah, the Daresville Tigers. No Tigers. Um, Colonels. Um. She, yeah, she told me to stop. Then uh, I told her I wanted to draw comics for a living. She's like, nobody actually does that. <laughs> okay, well, except I, the people who do. Except the people that do it, yeah. Right. Someone has to. That's an unrealistic goal for you. You shouldn't do it. I had already, by that point, I had already gotten an uh, illustration scholarship to a small college in North Georgia called Reinhardt College. Oh, yeah, Reinhardt. And um, so, you know, I was already on an art path. <laughs> so she says, nope, nope, don't don't think about that. Bell South. You want to go work for Bell South. Did she, like, Did get, she get kickbacks? That's well, <laughs> right? Yeah. Kind of sounds like, yeah, yeah. Think about it. So my stepmother uh, gathered a bunch of my Spider-Man books together. Because the first professional work I got through Marvel was in the Spider-Man office working for Ralph Macchio. And... Um, she got her a stack, got me to sign them all, and took them to her. <laughs> Just slapped them on her desk. How about this? How about them apples? <laughs> Still think you should work for Bell South? Nobody actually does that, though. Nobody actually does that. <laughs> Good. Except those who do. So was it a pretty straight line for you into the into the Spider-Man office? Yeah, it, it was fairly quick. I put a portfolio together. Um... I had moved to Dalton where I met another professional, a guy named Robert Brown. I'm from Dalton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Rob was teaching, like, uh, you know, a how to draw comics professionally kind of class. I took a bunch of – I didn't have a portfolio at that point. I just had loose drawings. Mm -hmm. I gathered them all up and I took them over to his house. 
And uh, I took the class. And then afterwards, I just kept hanging out at his house. And he helped me put together a professional portfolio. And um, I took it to Dragon Con back when editors and comic book companies would still come to that show. It, It was... It was gaming and fantasy and stuff, but comics had a much bigger footprint. That was than it does that now. was the focus of it, yeah, yeah, early days. So, um, Tom, I think Tom Brevoort was there, and Tom mm. got me into the Spider Man office doing that kind of stuff. I think he was working under Ralph at the time. Very cool. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a really interesting little pathway from like where Alex and I come from. The Carterville, Daresville, and Dalton area. Yeah. So it's like that's right. The seventy-five watch, corridor. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> so watching that that progression, that's really cool. Well, it's, it's funny because everybody acts like there are three people who ever did anything from that. Right. Area. And one of them was Donald Trump's second wife. Um, <laughs> is she from there? Marlon Maples is from Dalton, Georgia. Get out yeah. of town. No. I reason enough to bomb it. I know people who back when they were married worked in the same office building that her family's company was located in and who like see him come in and out and said he was just the biggest jackass <laughs> imagine shocking. that yeah That's go figure <laughs> we're um, all shocked and surprised god and he's just changed so much yeah exactly no, it's, it's her and it's the dude who did the clark kent superman clark kent superman it's true what they say about you you are galactically stupid bit on lois and clark so a guy that had one professional acting mm-hmm. credit to his uh, he name? He was or? on General Hospital or something, and he was Elliot Reed's dad on Scrubs and a few other things. Oh, okay. but, oh I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Dalton acts like those are the only two people who ever did anything, and everyone else belongs to Carpet. I went to Dalton College. Carpet. Yeah. Mm. I um, worked at a couple of carpet mills in Dalton. Oh. Boy, that was just awful. That was just the absolute worst. <laughs> yeah. We have a carpet company. It's It's... He's yeah, like, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it has. The college and it has carpet, and it's still that way. Oh, really? That's yeah. all there. That's all that's there. Mm. And if the city had its way, the college would only feed the carpet mills. Well, all all the guidance counselors at the college say you should work for the carpet mill. <laughs> oh, that they do. Right. Now they actually get kickbacks. <laughs> exactly. I, think you're, I think you're joking, Brian. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> They're kid back though. They've got like fifteen entry rugs. You know what I mean? Like exactly. they're yes. stacked up. The welcome mats. Like nice. I, got, I got some welcome mats. I gotta move. You want some nice. shag carpet? Send us three new people. We'll give you a ten by ten. <laughs> so let's go back to <laughs> yeah. We've got off the rails here. Yes. Comics. We're talking uh, about comics. So you you did the work for Spider Man. How did that lead to other and and eventually land you with uh, Matthew? Uh, so I got a hold of a uh, phone directory because there was no email at the time. I got a hold of a Marvel phone directory, and through some other professional contacts, I got a hold of a DC phone directory. And I would plan trips to New York. I would call these guys, and I would wouldn't give them a chance to speak until I got my spiel out. Like, uh, "Hey, how's it going? My name's Josh Hood, and I draw blah blah blah. I'm drawing Sensational Spider-Man over at Marvel right now. I'm going to be in New York. I'd like to come see you. I'd like to come stop, stop by the office." Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> swing by and see if I'm here. And were you and like swing that, by? Yeah. <laughs> so, so a lot of it was just almost like door to door sales. Pretty much. I mean, okay. Even now, you're you're hustling constantly to line up work, not for next month, but for you know two or three months down the road. Well, but yeah, because what you, uh, anything that you drew and turned in like it today, right, is still like three months out from coming out. Right? I've got a book in this month's previews, okay. which is solicited for in the middle of no middle to late November, uh-huh. yeah. and I'm drawing it. I'm working on it right now, right? Uh, and so it's other, you know, it's like an anthology book. So yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, but the planning stage, right, for those books, you got to double that amount of time. So you're looking at like six months out from... Pretty much. From the first yeah. time I hear about a book to the time it actually hits the stands could be as much as six months. Okay. Dang. If it's real press for time, it's going to be on the low side of four, pushing early three. But when that happens, you know it's late. You know tr- there's going to be yeah. trouble. So this is something that... And we've talked about it a few times on this on this podcast is... 
there's a lot of times where things are, especially if it's a series that are scheduled out, right? And you know, this is when we want to do this, and this is the, that things start getting pushed, right? And yeah. and they get delayed, and that. How hard is it, or is it different doing a series that you know is going to be this is going to be five issues, this is going to be six issues, and this is the schedule we're going to release it on, as opposed to like a um, a I don't want to say a bigger involved that that a lot of pieces plug into it. Yeah, do you know what I'm Something talking about? It's like spinning off mini series. Yeah, or right. Like is there a different pressure or timeline or not commitment if you, to those? Not if you know what you're capable of accomplishing. I, I've been doing this long enough to know that I can produce a page of finished art in one day. Okay, you know, layout. Pencils, inks. I ink my own stuff now because it's all digital. Completely finished from my point of view in one day. And that's enough to do a book a month. Okay. Um, I think some people get kind of hung up, um, especially on big books. I mean, nothing goes over like five or six issues now. That's as long as a run is. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. not like it was in the, in the 70s and 80s where <laughs> somebody would be on a book for six years. Right. Yeah. Which is a real shame. I, you know, I want to do that, and I'm never going to get that opportunity again unless I produce my own stuff. I think there's some writers who rarely, but occasionally, that still happens. But like Dan Slott just came off Spider-Man for I don't even know yeah, how long. Yeah, but, but I mean that is it, like, it is very rare though. It's yeah. super. I mean, I think the more common thing now is you see like a writer who will do these five or six issues at a time on a given book, but plan this thing that weaves through all of them, and yeah. eventually maybe becomes an event or becomes its own mini series. But or... The point I was getting to is even in that case, artists, the artists are not that way. Like after no. four, four, five, six issues, you know, generally the, the art team is yeah. switching. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to do with uh, production schedules. A lot of the, especially a lot of your higher tier artists, they can't keep up. They will begin production much farther out than should be necessary for a book of that length. And then they will have hopefully have caught up by the end of the the production schedule, like where normally they would work the same five months that you would, you know, uh, add three months to each book, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. They're starting three months beyond that, and so to do five issues, they're getting eight months, but then tack on another three months for production stuff. To start putting out the book. So 11 months for a five-issue book. Well, and here's the deal. If you're working 11 months out, right, the comic landscape changes faster than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, issue, like series that you thought that this was going to tie into and do well with aren't selling well. So, you know, yeah, that, that seems... Or like something crazy happens, and yeah. now we have to go back and change every freaking thing we just did. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, they got continuity guys yeah, looking true. at that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? right. um, I know that uh, everybody's complaining. Rosenberg just did. Matt Rosenberg just did a book, um, multiple man issue <laughs> that supposedly screws up the entire Marvel timeline. But I guarantee you that by the time it's done. It's all going to be oh, yeah. that book right is back so to crazy. where it is. <laughs> we literally talked about yeah. that in an episode we just recorded. And yeah, it, it is the best nuts ever. And yeah. I think, I truly think some of that, that chatter is also just, you know, websites have to get clicks. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. yeah. The, the clickbait. Yeah. yeah. Um, They'll clean it up though. Yeah. I do. I do want to ask, cause you kind of. A couple of things you've said kind of allude to this, and this is something I wonder about from time to time. And I think you're in maybe a better position, at least to give your view of it, than some of the other people who we've had on who don't have quite as long the involvement in the comics mm. industry. How much of that push to up mm. the detail and up the, like, maybe not perfectionism, but up the... the, the amount of work that goes into a page of art comes from just the increases to printing technology and to looking at things digitally and being able to blow stuff up on your iPad or your laptop. And... It, it does have a lot to do with the tolerances of printing. You know, the, the guys who were producing comics in the 70s were limited by the, uh, the, uh, the plate process, mm -hmm. which isn't a very high resolution, like 150 dots per inch or something like that. Oh, my God. And um, 
Now, when I produce a page, I'm doing it at 600 DPI, which is, you know, the file sizes are monstrous. Yeah. Um, so it gives you the opportunity to do more detail, but having that opportunity is, I think, less important than um, having seen the kind of artwork that's been produced, especially since like the early 90s. Um, when image, well, all the image guys started putting out their stuff, there was more in it. Yeah. You know, it, mm -hmm. uh, they were the reason they got so hot is because they were so different than the guys that were doing books in the 80s. Yeah, I remember early 90s is when art became it's, there. I mean, there was a period of about two years where art really was almost the only consideration in the comic. Book. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. That was when image really just exploded and the artists kind of ruled for about a year and a half, two years there. And then people realized, you know, this art is awesome, but we should have a story to go with it. <laughs> Wasn't that the whole second year at image? Like that's what yeah. they figured out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I've still exactly. got a couple Ooh, of copies. So I'm trying to be nice without, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, now, so image did its thing and then comics got bad for a while, but, because it distilled down, you could hire the best artists. Mm -hmm. So the best artists survived. And then you started getting stuff like uh, Kingdom Come from Alex Ross. Oh, my you know, God. Those reprints, those pages were beautiful. Yeah. So everybody that came after Kingdom Come, which was that even in the late, early 2000s maybe? No, probably the late 90s. late 90s. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you want – you have to have – your stuff has to look like it belongs on the shelf with everybody else's work. And uh, that forces people to get better. I, I genuinely believe now, and I know we can cherry pick like good artists like you know Jack Kirby or Ramita Junior, uh, Ramita Senior, and um, Gil Kane, other people. Mm -hmm. But there's a there's a much wider variety and a much deeper field of good art. Yeah. Currently in comics, I, oh, yeah. I would agree with that, and it makes it hard to get work because everybody's so damn good. <laughs> It genuinely does. Like oh, yeah. I used to be able to just bounce from book to book to book, and now I'm fighting and, and I'm like having to do. Even though my work is the best it's ever been in my career, um, I'm doing tryouts for books and losing out to other artists who are as good or better than me. And I'm like, oh, son of a bitch, this is getting tough. <laughs> as as a professional, I, I that's obviously that's very hard. I mean, it, but for the industry and for a fan, obviously that's. Fantastic. I wonder if they'll notice. Uh, people seem to dip in and dip out of comics. They have like a window of fandom, unless they're the lifelong fans, like like we all are. Yeah, I, I hope. Well, Brian and I dipped out. Mm -hmm. We had windows. Yeah. Okay, and I actually came. I, to I did a. I did like, a. Got married, had kids, dipped yeah. out of comics for about fifteen years. But like, let this be. And I went I to never, college. I never. Yeah. I never quit loving. Comics. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same yeah. But People dip out and dip in, and, and they can only go by the work that they see in front of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if the, everything you see is amazing and gorgeous, that kind of becomes a, a median. And I really, guess, yeah, I then see that. really, the greats are the only ones that kind of stand out right now. I see that. Yeah. But everybody's good, you know? Well, it, it makes it makes. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, go ahead. So it makes it almost a game, at least it seems from my side of things, of. Paying more attention to style and tone yeah. and how art yeah. fits with not just a story, but a storyteller, a, 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 a writer's sensibilities. Yeah. I, I was going to say, that, I, and that was the point I wanted to make, was I, I don't know that there's any bad – I don't think the industry is accepting any bad art right now. Mm. I do think there are still times where the art does not fit the story. Um mm. And I, I've expressed this on the show. There's definitely a, a a range of art that I kind of associate with superheroes that some artists don't. It just doesn't fit for me. And there's nothing wrong with the art. There's other, you know, there's other stories that can be told that that art I would absolutely love. But yeah, and so I mean, I there are other people who love that style for superheroes. That's right. fair. That's fair. But I, I do think. That is something that is being paid more attention to is trying to fit artist and writer and story together. Mm. It's uh, it also comes to, uh, a luck has a lot to do with it. You know I who's can, available at what time? Yeah. Oh yeah. When do you hit that editor? Do you hit him on just the right day? It's luck has such a big part. 
because they can swing a dead cat and hit an artist that's capable of putting out the kind of work that you want to see in a book. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be that artist, you have to like constantly be tapping them on the shoulder, right. but not in an annoying way. You know, like it's yeah. a, it's a delicate little dance. There's yeah. a, there's a book that started recently that I was reading the back matter for. And in it, the writer talks about, this is a pitch that he had been nagging an editor about for literally years since I think, uh, 2012, 2013. So five, six years at this point, he'd been saying, Hey, can we do this now? Hey, can we do this now? Is the time right? And finally, five, six years later, he, got to do that book and it was just a matter of waiting till and i know this is pretty big too specific but waiting till just sort of the line as a whole allowed for this group of characters to be available and this story to be told and an artist who fit the story to be you know free and willing to do it and all that so it, it luck does i mean i i think I mean, obviously, you know what you're talking about, but luck definitely <laughs> in, in something like that. No, you're wrong. No, you're just wrong. God, Josh. What <laughs> are you thinking? No. So does, We're does... bullying Alex. This is the wrong table for that. Oh, no. Right. We need to set up the other you table. You Brian at this table. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so oh. do you think that, like, the social media help, like, to non-annoyingly poke people and be like, hey, remember this thing? Yes. I've gotten a lot of work recently directly related to Instagram. Oh, nice. And Twitter. Um making friends with people. Uh, but you also have to, this now becomes part of your job. You have to manage it. You have to manage mm. Instagram. Mm -hmm. You've got to get some content on there, constantly have it updated. You have to put, I wouldn't say do like fan service-y kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, well, no, that sounds like anime kind of thing. <laughs> That's not what I was kind of trying to say. Um, it works for some people, though. Stuff that you know an audience will respond. Yeah, to. there you go. That's yeah. that's then that's fair, right? You right. got you've got to do things that are going to get responses. Yeah, sure. So I did, um, but I also I try very hard to match that to things that I like or things that I think that are interesting coming up. I did, I did like some Shira artwork for the new yes. Netflix yeah. animated thing, just on my own, right? Because I had a little time and I thought I liked the new design, and and so I posted that up there, and of course, instantly I started getting flamed by guys saying, "Oh, that's uh, just, she looks like a boy, uh, idiots." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you you got to manage it. You got to stay on top of it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you? I don't know. I don't want to go down the whole comics gate rabbit hole. I think no. there's a better use of our time, but. I don't understand it. Is that... I mean, I, I don't have enough information to understand it. You know what I mean? I feel like that's the big problem, though, is that, like, there's yeah. no cohesive amount of information. Yeah. So how can anyone understand it? I mean, Even found... the people who are supporting it. Do you know what you're supporting, really? It, is it sour grapes because the it's not all white guys in the Avengers anymore? I think it's is just butthurt people, period. I wonder sometimes how well, many and, of it is bots well, to oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for again? real. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, the other, the thing that I've never understood is it, new stuff coming out. Right, it doesn't take away. Find the stuff that you right. still like. If you don't like this creator or this artist or this story, fine. You don't buy that. You don't read that. Whatever. Yeah, buy the do stuff your you thing like. Over there. But why do you hate that other people do like it? Like, I don't know. I, that never made sense to me. Because I'm a fan and I have some sort of ownership over this because of but the time and effort don't. that I put into it being a fan. Nope. Nope. Yeah, I'm no, going to say no. 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 <laughs> I'm going to say no. No. But what, I, what I, I guess I wanted to ask was like, how much of that becomes part of this equation? Do you, is it just something that, and I'm sure it's easier for some people than others, like, I'm going out on a limb and guessing unless you put up something like She-Ra that is itself a target of this, that you're probably not getting tons and tons of this compared no, to No, I hardly get others. any. Yeah. But well, does it become I'm, part of the... Yeah. I'm a 40-something-year-old white guy. Exactly. Yeah. Alex and I are familiar with that. <laughs> right. I mean, things are things have been going pretty good for us. <laughs> yeah. Most of history, thumbs up. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, no we got the upper hand and we no ran complaints. with it. No complaints. All I'm just going to sit here and scowl for the next hour. Don't worry. <laughs> no, uh, but for real, I would happily cede a lot of that to make things better. Yes. It wouldn't make my life worse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, right. Um, but how much of that does that become part of the equation? Is there the... I don't want to put this thing out there because I just don't want to deal with that today. I haven't had to think of it, but I'm sure... 
uh, people like Teeny Howard yeah. probably mm-hmm. has to think about that kind of yeah. stuff quite a bit. I know, you know? I know uh, Magdalene Visaggio, who, who's come on here oh, sure. a lot. She yeah. gets so much of it. That Can I don't, you imagine? Yeah. I don't know how she doesn't just shut down Twitter. The amount of because she's a badass. That's fine. how. Yeah, well, that's, that's fair. Because like, just... she's willing to say, no, fuck you. How about yeah. that? I want to go back to, you talked a little bit, you talked about how you did all of your sketches and notebooks, you know, in yeah. school and all this stuff. And and then you mentioned later about how everything is digital now, so you're coloring your own stuff. How did that transition work and happen in the comics industry from... From, from your perspective. Complete, you know, just... <laughs> pure physical drawing and all that to the digital for a while access to the technology and the software was um at a professional level only okay so if you were willing to invest the money in the old wacom boards which were these gigantic mm-hmm. the way drawing tablets boards, yeah um and in the old versions of photoshop which even back then were expensive like sky high expensive yeah um, you could have done this work digitally. Like Brian Boland's been doing digital covers for 15, 20 years now. And uh, all of the uh, lettering has been done digitally since Comic Craft. Is that right? Yeah. Comic Craft? Or are I they learned, the colorists? There is. There, uh, they do... You know, as soon as you asked, it went out of my head. I learned recently there is a woman who is local. I don't know her last name. Her first name is Roxanne. She used to work at my comic shop, who was one of the first letterers to go digital. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's a heck of an investment. It was a heck of an investment back like then. The early 90s. As, as an IT person who bought Photoshop and Wacom tablets mm-hmm. for art artists at my company, I, yeah, yeah, they were really expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. They were. Um, I, worked for a, uh, I worked for a textile company yeah. in Calhoun, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used, we used um, they were like Wacom tablets, but they were proprietary. They had to be built by hand, and the software that we used was proprietary. And each license was ten grand. Yeah, and oh, each nice. one of the tablets was around ten grand. And the network that we were on cost a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. And all of the stuff could be done now with a bamboo tablet and a and a you know an iPad and Procreate. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could do everybody's work on one <laughs> device. Yeah, our. My my family's company is graphically based, and like for a long time, the software we used was for like billboard sign design industries. Mm. It was its sign is in its name because the only thing that could do vector files in the early nineties that was even close to our budget at the time was built for a completely different industry. It was yeah. nuts. Like the amount of there are things that are used in the carpet industry that we had to develop just because those technologies at that time are so hard to come by. Yeah. So how did you personally make that transition? I had always, I'd been doing commercial illustration right as soon as I stopped drawing in the early 2000s. I had like a 10-year break between my first stint as a comic book artist and my re-emergence as the artist on We Can Never Go Home. Um, And I had been doing um, digital illustration. I I bought into the software and hardware at the time and... um, so I was used to the interface and I was used to using the tools. And then I came back and I, did, I drew one book for a guy who uh, was a friend of mine. He was a writer for Image. And it was the last book I did on paper. It was called um, uh, Tilt Shift, the story of a, co- a camera combat camera operator in Afghanistan. We got 10 grand off Kickstarter for it and uh, couldn't find a publisher. Nobody wanted to publish like – True life war comics. Nobody wanted mm. to touch it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so then We Can Never Go Home came up, and I knew I didn't want to draw on paper anymore because it, um, I'm not that great a draftsman when it comes to like cars and buildings and perspective and that kind of stuff. It's tedious, and, and it just takes all the fun out of it. And I knew digital could do that easily. So I um, I switched on page one. Page one of We Can Never Go Home was the first page I ever drew digitally, comics-wise. Oh, that's neat to know. That's very cool. Trivia, folks. (laughs) If you go back and look at the first issue, all of the lines around the characters are much heavier and thicker. And and as the book goes on, things kind of start to, like, even out. And um, 
everything takes on a more sort of handmade done i mean we're we're just trying to reproduce a, a look that people get on paper which oh, sure, is ridiculous sure. you know we should be thinking about how to use it differently what could we do differently but we're just recreating the same kind of format that we would do with pen and ink yeah <laughs> all right yeah it's 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 that makes sense <laughs> we just look around the table sure i understand this concept <laughs> Now is, all that technology and software has been democratized. Somebody can go out and get a copy of um, Clip Studio, which is the mm -hmm. software that I use, for $49. They can get a, um, a low-end Wacom. It's not the Bamboo anymore. I can't remember what it's called. Wacom Create, mm -hmm. maybe. It's like $79. Yeah. Everybody's got a laptop. Yeah, Everybody's got a computer. Yeah. They can all run that software. And you're, you're up and you're running for you know, less, than a, less than $150. Yeah. And you're making comics. You are creating comics, professional grade. I can't, I can't guarantee how good your work's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the tools. And talents and you all have the tools. Things. Yeah. And have fun making all those contacts and promoting yourself yeah. and selling yourself. Yeah. Have fun and, making yeah. those contacts. <laughs> yeah. Then comes the easy stuff. Right. The networking. <laughs> yes. The invoicing. Paying your taxes. <laughs> so I want to I want to get to some of the stuff you've got going now yeah. but first since you brought up we can never go home yeah let's talk about it. uh it's my favorite book i've ever worked on it really is is it really Ooh. yeah well, it's such a cool book yes. and the first thing i want to ask is i feel like there was a moment when it was getting a lot of coverage yeah online like i remember the first place i read about it actually was kotaku it had slipped under my radar at first i think issue two came out with the sequence with all the costumes and yeah one of my altar i have that print that you yeah. sell oh, of yeah? that yeah. and cool. i yes it's fantastic uh how was that the reaction you guys expected coming in no. from a small publisher or no. was that just waking up one day and holy shit when the first book came out um I didn't really have that. I didn't have any expectations at all. We we only printed, if you wanted uh, cover 1A of the first book, there's only 4,000 of them bouncing around the world. Oh, wow. Damn. So, you know, I thought, uh, you know, I'm getting paid to work. Not collector. I'm doing a very interesting book. This is going to be some great portfolio stuff. You know, uh, um, I had only gotten like the script up to issue three at that point, so I even I didn't know where it was going to go. Everybody kept asking me right after the first issue came yeah. out. Oh, so what's you know what's going to happen? Does he really have powers? You know, is it really like <laughs> I, I have no idea? I'm going on the. I, I thought he did. Yeah, I thought he did right up until he didn't. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it sold out before the book had sold out. Before the that afternoon, we I got an email from oh. somebody. It might have been Rosenberg at the time. He's like, "It's already sold out. Every issue's gone." And we did a bunch of variants. By the time it was over, we did. I think at my last count, it was thirty-two different covers for issue one, and some of them were for stores. And then Hot Topic picked it up, and they wanted to sell copies of it. And uh, you know, we sold it through some weird places, and uh, the Brits were big fans of it. We sold a yeah. ton of copies through Great Britain through stores oh. over there. So, um, yeah. yeah, it is no joke. It is because I came I came into reading comics like around New Fifty Two. I had always been mm. a fan of fan of characters, and I played video games and watched movies. But that was a quick and easy jumping on point for me. I was out of college. I was working. I had money. And, like that was really the first point when. I started to notice smaller, newer publishers, mm -hmm. and I realized, okay, I need to pay attention to these because this, like, no joke, we can never go home is when I realized, no, this is where some cool new stuff is going to come from well, that I will miss if I don't. And this is where Marvel and DC's tomorrow talent is going to show up, honestly. I mean, you look at, look, yeah. look at yeah. like, Matthew Rosenberg, right? Rosenberg is there. Yeah. Um, uh, Mags uh -huh. is there now. Yep. Uh, Teeny Howard is there. She started it. Black Mask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much everybody that worked at Black Mask is now working at Marvel. Well, it seems like every year there's a new publisher who comes with, like, Vault. Vault's been Vault doing is yeah. big this year. They oh, did yeah. some cool stuff. God, yeah. they have yeah. some great stuff coming out. Um, you've got small imprints that I think are trying to catch the same lightning in a bottle coming through bigger publishers, like the Black Crown stuff or... Uh, 
Aren't they run by... They're through IDW, IDW And yeah. Dark Horse has one, too. And maybe maybe they're Dark Horses. Maybe I've got that flip-flopped. But there's, like, Burger Books, and there's Black no, Crown. No, because I was on the stage when they announced Black Crown. Okay. Yeah. We were doing... Uh, we were at Emerald City in <laughs> 20... Uh, 16, probably? 17? 17. 2017. Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah. We were doing... We were talking about... Um, I can't remember what we were talking about. Just upcoming books yeah. from IDW. Yeah. And then Shelley Bond. Mm-hmm. Is that who it is? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. She yep. showed up like at the last second and said, hey, we're starting this new imprint. It's called Black Crown. Yeah. And I think. It's like, okay, that sounds great. Maybe Good for you. The, I'm looking for work. <laughs> maybe the He's next one is Ahoy. Like that's the, that's. Ahoy, yeah. They just put out their first mm-hmm. book and they're kind of doing the small press thing haven't, too. Haven't even heard of them yet. Mark Russell was on a little while back, and he's got an issue coming out. I think he's got a series coming from them. That he does the second com- second coming. No, second coming's Vertigo. That's yeah. Vertigo. Oh no, the Prez yeah. kind of notes yeah, yeah, yeah. that he never got yeah, yeah. to use. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. But like there are some other old Vertigo yeah. people who like they literally put out their first book last week. Mm, that's and they've why. got one every two weeks. For I always wait for the months. trades. Yeah, yeah. I'm always seven months behind everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, we we do a lot of that too. It's hard. Like we try to read as much as possible as we can for the show, but something's like I'm reading thirty books a week right yeah. now. No joke. If you don't work at a store, you can't keep up. Yeah, it's, it's not half. Yeah. Like, my shop is hiring part time right now. I'm like, I should put in an application just to get more of a discount. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. You can sit there behind the counter and just thumb through and no, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is terrible. <laughs> like, terrible. like I've honestly thought, hmm. I wonder what it would cost to get a uh, a diamond retail license just so I can sell to my friends and get a fifty percent discount. On my life. <laughs> oh, you don't want to deal with diamonds? No, I don't. <laughs> like, like, That's like, not the point. The, the point was the, the money. Has, the thought has crossed my mind to look into this. <laughs> have you guys gotten? Have you guys ever talked about distribution of comics? How they're actually seeded into no. the world. You know what? We have not. That no. would be a that very, would be a very like when fun we topic. every now and then <laughs> say. every now and then we'll get preview copy for something that's not out yet before yeah. FOC, and yeah. we'll kind of mention how final order cutoff works, and yeah. okay, the date for this is this. If you definitely want a copy, right, do it by this date. Otherwise, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it'll help more if you do. But that's about as far we talk about solicitations every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we don't, we don't go like this. Is honestly one of the most in depth about industry stuff conversations oh. we've had. And we've, I love it. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, I do it's been on my mind a lot recently because I'm, <laughs> yeah. you know, hustling and pitching and and doing a lot of stuff that'll never see the light of day. Even if it gets picked up, the stuff that I've done will never see the light of day because when it goes to doing a book, it's going to get completely redone this yeah. is like a little so talk, small talk about that a little bit and i'm obviously i don't want you to talk about specifics because you know some things you can't talk about but like so what do you mean by like you can do stuff that doesn't that gets picked up but doesn't show up what is it? so it, um i'm working on a lot of pitches right now i've got some kind of stacked up that i'm trying to get to uh that are all interesting everybody's got an interesting story you know not everybody uh, <laughs> you should really take that back. I've seen some, I've seen some real crap. Well, we're going to roll that back. said everyone, let me give you my story. Oh, no. And the next five minutes of this, we're cutting out. Sorry, listeners. We're just going to gossip for a minute. Can't possibly be as bad as some of the ones I've read. <laughs> and if it is, you should be ashamed. Of it. I'm already ashamed. It's fine. And we're not naming names. There are definitely a couple of writers who, anytime we see their name oh, or something, yeah. we just go, That's oh. not for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No. As, as, just like there are some writers that were like, uh, their, their name is on that, so chances are 98% I'm going to love it. Yeah. There are some writers who are, chances are 98% it's well, not for me. And mm-hmm. sometimes like, yes. maybe they work with a writer who you love, and like, yeah. or an artist who you love, and you're like, I'll give it a chance. And it surprises you. It that is. happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. I get you. Not everyone has a great story. No, not everyone. <laughs> oh, anyway, so we interrupted. Go ahead. Yeah. Distribution. Oh, what, so, yeah, what's the yeah. question? So we're talking about how you could do stuff that like got picked up, but like still some of the stuff you did for it never shows right. up. Well, you do pitch packages. Okay. And hopefully that pitch package will have part of the ongoing that you're trying to get published through a, any publisher. And, uh, but... Frequently, it doesn't, or at least in my experience, it doesn't. 
So is it kind of like uh, like what we would associate with like a pilot for a TV show? Sort of like that, yeah. Okay. You know, um, if they they have to change a character, mm-hmm. right? They have to fire an actor and they hire somebody. Yeah, else yeah, say, yeah. This is working. This isn't. You got to scrape this out. So frequently, I'll I'll do because we're doing it in a vacuum. It's there's almost no editorial control at all. It's the writer directly to me. I put together between five and eight pages of story, and then. Um, that is all wrapped up with their uh, their you know summary, uh, like an outline of the first couple of issues, uh, where the story's going. You don't have to be coy with these editors. They you know they know they know about the big the turnaround at the end of the second act or whatever. They're not looking for you to. They're not looking to be surprised. They want to know whether or not they think the whole story is going to sell. Yeah. You know, don't you can't have that M Night Shyamalan uh, <laughs> segment at the end. You know, you're trying to sell like the whole story, so they get the whole thing in one gulp, mm-hmm. and uh, they see the art, they see some of the writing, they see. Um, as prof- we try to put it together as professionally as possible, so when you actually flip through it, it's colored, it's lettered. Uh, the st- it's it's a complete story in five to eight pages, and, but you know, um, the pitching that I've been doing, I've only hit on maybe two out of ten. Uh, well, like you said, your friend was trying for years. Yeah. So we kept going. I had we had one story I was doing with a guy named uh, Brian Joins. Yeah, uh, he's an image writer. They did a really good book called Secret Identities, which was kind of a low, you know, um, not a not a higher end um, image book. It had a nice five issue run. Had some really great characters. Should have gotten a lot more recognition than it did. Um, beautiful, uh, beautiful story. Great story. I uh, highly, highly recommend picking up the trade because all the image trades are like 10 bucks. Yes. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> um, we did a story. What if Harry Potter grew up to be James Bond? That's yeah. the elevator pitch. I remember this. That yeah. should have been all you needed to sell the story and could, could not get it sold, could not get it made. Hmm. So, oh, it's killing me. Do any of those ever where they go, you know what, we don't want to buy this as a series or whatever but you know what I, like did they ever pick that up and plug it into an anthology type thing no not really I'm just no. curious and no because it sounds because wanna... that sounds like a story that you're saying the whole story gets condensed into an eight page or well ten this page was thing. this would have been the this was five pages of art and story that we okay. put together for this right. and uh it, it it's just a little snippet of story. It, it okay, sort of okay. uh, demonstrates what the character's capable of, the kind of situations that okay, he would have okay. gotten into, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so you mentioned leaving comics for a little while, yeah. going into pro, going into freelance like illustration. What made you want to come back? Was it you mentioned the Kickstarter? But what made you want to do? We can never home. What made you say, you know what, it's time to, to get back into... I had... Uh, I'd been... Um, not even reading comics during that time. Hadn't even picked the comics up. And uh, one day a store opened up, and it was only open for like six months. So <laughs> this was a pretty brief window. That I, It's amazing that I actually found it. A store opened up, and they were selling trades of... Um, like uh, Thor and uh, Olivier Coipel. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I, I think yeah, that's it, yeah. I'm, my, uh, my secret superpower is getting everybody's names wrong. Oh, that does too. <laughs> oh, wow, my God. Here. Oh, I want to fit right yeah. in here. Welcome to the podcast. Are we a league? Do we get rings? <laughs> if only. We have shot glasses. <laughs> mm. We have shot glasses, yes. Oh, great. Yeah. That's not a joke. If you want one, you're welcome to one. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll take one. Yeah. Looks like that. That looks super cool. <laughs> yeah. I just saw his artwork, fell in love with it, and and immediately, like my hand started shaking. I wanted to draw so bad, so <laughs> I went home and You're grabbed. Like, what some. am I missing? Yeah, yeah, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And then um, Jose called me. Jose Torres was the writer on that book, um, Tilt Shift. He uh, called me out of the blue, said, "I want to do comics again. I've been in the army." I was like, "Oh, well, that's exciting." And uh, he's telling me all these horrible, awful stories, and I'm like, that's going to be hard to sell. <laughs> but he did a really good job of like – You were um, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess right. I was. Uh, he did a really good job of cleaning it up and making it like a very interesting narrative. You know, you follow a, a new person through um, stories. And, and so every job that I got after I started back was just really interesting and, 
you know, I, I was making books that I would want to read rather than some That's of the stuff cool. I did at Marvel, which I never would have picked up. I never would have looked at. And I was just working. So that that's kind of what got me back into it. And then um, I don't know if I would have kept going after We Can Never Go Home if it had not been sort of the success that it was. Yeah. So is that like in your in your ideal now, the bread and butter, the kind of like mini series creator owned sort of model? You, you just said you probably wouldn't have read the Marvel stuff you did. Do you? Yeah, but I, I still want to draw big two books. Yeah. I'm such a stupid fanboy for tights and capes and stuff. They're fun yeah. and they're yeah. dependable. Yeah, because we hate like, that like, stuff here. Right? Oh. I like. I'm not going to ask you to say it a recording. No, I don't want to work for Marvel or DC. That would be awful. <laughs> that would be dumb on both our parts. But the most the most popular book I've ever worked on was We Can Never Go Home. But um, there's still like a part of my brain that measures success by how many spider webs I get to draw in a comic book. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, that that totally has to do with when you came up. It has to. Yeah. I mean, because I'm I I get that. I only yeah. had big two. I want to draw Thor. I want to draw Superman again. I want to draw you know, I want to draw Booster Gold and and Blue oh, Beetle so yes. bad. Yes. I want. I I've want got, you to draw that. How about that? <laughs> I've got a dream writer in my head for it. You are welcome to draw it. I won't say it on the air. He's going to make it happen. Don't you worry. But, Start making calls. Yeah. <laughs> I need people. There used to be agents for my kind of work, and there is I haven't found one anymore. I had another question I want to ask. Okay, go yeah. for it. So what is, from a professional standpoint, what's the convention circuit like? You see a lot of the same faces over and over again. Do you? Which is really nice. Yeah, you make some decent friends that way. Um, uh, it's expensive uh, because – you know, not only do we have to pay for the same plane ticket and hotel room, but on a lot of shows we have to pay for uh, we have to pay for tables. You have to pay for the booth space. Right? That can yeah. be really expensive sometimes, mm-hmm. depending on the show. You know, New York expensive. Oh yeah, and you're in a lottery system too. You know, you may get in, you might not. If you're there two years in a row, you're definitely not getting in the third year. Really? Yeah. Dang. And I bet at the same time, like too, like you're balancing how much daily work can I keep getting done versus how much time can I actually be at a table and network and socialize and right. enjoy, like make back the money I'm spending to go here, but also enjoy the time I'm traveling. Or, yeah. s- or sell or get commissions. or yeah. yeah, most artists I know, they're not trying to make money. They're just trying to break even. Yeah. They want it to be – because they're already losing out on not being at home in front of their desks drawing. Right. Or yeah. writing. You know they're already not producing, so it's it's like everything you're doing is just an outlay of cash, and it's all tax deductible. But that only goes so far. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we are past an hour at this point, so no, I want to make huh? No, we're not. We're not. Mm-mm. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're right at it. Okay. Uh, we're at an hour so far. Yes. <laughs> we can't agree on times today. I banged out a whole bunch of art today. I'm not in a hurry. Cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> right. Well, I want to make sure we, we take time to talk about what you're up to now. And some of if people want to read books you're working on, what they can do to find you and I think you can you. still order. The one book that I've got in solicitation right now through previews is uh, Star Trek Waypoint. Uh, I think it's a giant size book. And they've got some really great writers and artists working on it. It covers by me, so you should recognize it right away as yeah. being good. <laughs> I think you could still order that right now. Cool. Uh, Waypoint is a really neat um, place if you are a Star Trek fan, but you're not necessarily wanting to get bogged down in uh, having to buy six or eight issues of something. Mm-hmm. Um each story is 10 or less pages. So is it like an anthology? Yes, okay. very much so. Okay, cool. And uh, everybody's, you know, uh, there's different artists working on each segment. Um, and I think this is a jumping off point for an ongoing Waypoint series. But uh, even then, you know, skip a month, pick up a month, take a look at the trade or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. So did you uh, – the covers, uh, did you do an interior story in that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm writing – I'm uh, drawing one from uh, Brandon Easton. Writing okay. Brandon Easton. All right. Very awesome. cool. What else do you guys have? 
Because I, I could just sit here talking all night long, but eventually that's going to run very, very. Well, I'm going to do my my yeah. question yeah, that me, I have every time. Me too. You guys edit this down, right? We'll take out like Some pauses and stuff. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, and anything that you oh, want taken oh, out. Generally, a lot of what we do tends to stay. So yeah. Oh, okay. If there's anything you say, oh, don't yeah, there's like a Neil Holman. Oh yeah, we're more than like happy to cut anything long, you don't we're like, want. I'm not yeah. taking anything yeah. out. He eventually started interviewing us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what comics are you guys reading now? Right now, let's What's talk good? about your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doctor Freud. I <laughs> so Brian, you go first. Okay, so my question is always: if you could pick a character or a team or an IP or from any any point in history, any publisher, anything. What would you like to draw? Oh boy! This I'm is your chance to secret to the universe. No, I'm <laughs> such a homer. That's going to be such a boring answer. I'd like yeah. to draw a. I'd like to draw a Superman series. Okay. But you know, like a like an all star Superman type. Oh, nice. You know, a, a self contained story that yeah. doesn't necessarily have to wrap in the rest of the Justice League. Just Clark doing his thing, being a good guy, saving the world. Maybe not always having to punch his way out of problems. You know, uh, I think that character is used most effectively when he doesn't have to fight. I mm-hmm. would agree with you. Yeah. So, so like a 6, 8, 12 issue contained. Yeah, just a, just a start and a finish. Nice. And at the end, continuity isn't necessarily changed, but you uh, – um, what is it? Uh, the American Alien series. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was really good mm-hmm. for did. telling that kind of story. I, I'd want to work on something like that. Yeah, we've yeah. talked a lot about that on the show about how there are some characters, especially your Supermans, your Batmans, your Spiderman. That at the end of the day, you can change them to a point, but at some point, they're going to rubber band back to who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, at some point, you've got to go back to the ideal right. to be recognizable. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's true yeah. and right. fair. And I hate it, but it's true. <laughs> Mine is really dumb. What is your? <laughs> Yours is fantastic. Yours really is great. Dumb. Dumb Yours all. is like Yours one is of the most fun. interesting. What? Is... Uh, where do you get your ideas from? Uh... No, no, no. So what do you is... write and draw this? Oh no, just wait. <laughs> just wait. Do, you love, do you love that question? That's not my question, but do you love that question? I get it constantly. So you wrote this? No, I didn't write this. I'm an no. artist. <laughs> See all this beautiful art behind me? I did that. Um, yeah. No, mine is. Uh, what is your favorite sound effect to draw? <laughs> I like to do um, – one of my earliest favorite books was Thor when uh, – right at the end of the Walt Simonson run and right at the beginning of – was it Al Milgram or – I can't remember who was drawing it after that. But they, they would have sound effects that would just take up the whole page like thoom and – So mine are, are big sort of thundery sound effects. Anytime there's a boom tube now, it's the whole panel. Or crack-a-thoom. Crack-a-thoom. Yeah, those big ones. I think I've actually used crack-a-thoom or a variation of it. Yeah. (laughs) But those whole big panel page background big big ones. Yeah, and a couple of times – I don't normally draw the onomatopoeia on the page, but Mm – I will from time to time use it as the outline of the panels that I'm drawing. Oh, Um, nice. Especially if it's if it like actually makes sense for what's going on. Yeah. If you don't have to draw anything very deep, like say I was drawing the Enterprise exploding, but from kind of far away, where it just sort of like boom. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you could do letters around that effect without taking away from the artwork itself, because yeah. yeah. you can't have super super busy art. No. With, inside of letters. Yeah. No, inside no, letters. Very nice. So if people want to follow you on social media. Oh, I'm all over the social media. You, uh, Instagram. <laughs> I, uh, Instagram a lot recently. Just because I was getting a much more positive response. Twitter has gotten to be so politicized. And that's where yeah. people air a lot of their political yeah. gripes. So, um, But I'm on Twitter constantly. Uh, lurking or, or posting like one or two things a day. And... Um, yeah, so uh, it's at Joshua Hood on Twitter and at Joshua A. Hood on Instagram. Or you can check out the website, joshhood.com. Or if you're interested in seeing the commercial illustration, God knows why, it'd be joshuahood.com. Cool. And if the answer is no, we can pull this one out too. But are you doing like commission requests and stuff like that right now too? Or are you busy enough with pitches that 
I'm kind of stacked up on. Okay. I'll probably have more time around the end of the year to do more commissioner cool. work, and um, I do still get people call uh, writing me and asking about original pages. <laughs> Sorry. The hosts wait make the weirdest noises. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll try to I'll try to calm down. <laughs> Brian, hands above the table. My dogs are fighting. <laughs> so oh, you were saying? saying about origi- <laughs> original 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 pages. People call original us art. Yeah. Pages. yeah, it's all digital, so I yeah. don't I don't have any original art to sell. There there are no pages of We Can Never Go Home. They don't exist. Yeah. Right. There's only prints of only the stuff that I print out on yeah. in like posters and prints and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And I um, have to ask, once upon a time, there was talk about a volume two of We Can Never Go Home. It's still going to happen. Still gonna, okay, Is cool. it? Right. Yeah. Still in the works. Yeah, you don't leave a... That's a lo- beloved intellectual property. And, but, nice. but Matt is tied up. I mean, he's <laughs> Marvel exclusive right now. He's so right busy, now. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be... He's on the X-Men train right now. Oh, yeah. Mm. He's going to be running that place pretty soon. So <laughs> I'm going to let him go ahead and do his thing for a while. Yeah. I said, you know what? You go have fun, kid. And I'll sit over here. <laughs> when you're ready, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next time we do this book, when the volume two comes out, it's going to have that undergroundy buzz thing going. Yeah. And then it's going to have Rosenberg. Oh, he's coming off the X Men. And then we're going to put it together, and we're going to sell fifty thousand copies. Fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> and I'll drive to my office upstairs in a Maserati. I just drive up the stairs. I love it. I love Maserati it. makes stairway rail lifts. They will. That's what's going to happen with mine. <laughs> enough money, enough money, they'll make anything. Sure. I love it. So yeah, so follow, so follow him. So when all of these pitches that he's working on right now go through. He can. He, you can see all the announcements from it. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, if that's it, thank you for joining yeah. us. Yeah. Hey, my pleasure. Greatly appreciated. Cool. And uh, I'm not going to do all the normal outro stuff in this because this is a special episode. So listen to a regular episode for that if you <laughs> want to know where our website is. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. I'm Brian. I'm still Josh. Excellent. And this was Panelology. Bye. Bye.